The pharmaceutical industry is a complex and fascinating field. It takes countless of people to bring a high-quality product to the market. In the Qualitox podcast, I bring to you leaders, experts, and innovators who will share their experiences and explain to us how they do it. Welcome to the Qualitox podcast. I'm Ian Kugler, host, and my guest today is Borislav Milev. Borislav is an expert in computer system validation. And today we have a really fascinating topic, cloud services. And we're going to talk about what are cloud services, why are they needed now in the pharmaceutical arena, why, what are the advantages and the challenges in using such services. And we're going to touch the areas of validation and vendor qualification. So let's get to it. Boris Love, welcome to the Qualitox podcast. Really excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure for me. Amazing. To talk about such a topic that is uh, becoming like very favorite of me and very important in the field of validation. Yeah, so it's really um, a cool topic and um, I find it really interesting. Uh, so again, our topic today would be cloud services, uh, validation, qualification of such services. And it is a really cool service because I think it is um, the future, let's say, because uh, in the private sector, like almost everything is uh, already cloud services. Uh, But uh, pharma is sometimes lagging a bit behind. And, um, you know, it it takes time to change the services and adjust yourself. So so it's a really cool topic, but I think that in the future, much more will be uh, cloud-based because it's so convenient and so on. So, Borislav, tell us a bit, um, what is a cloud and uh, what are uh, uh, cloud services? What uh, what maybe categories uh, is there of such services? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, cloud and and basically remote computing is nothing new, also in the pharma field, Uh, you know, virtualization through Citrix and so on, it's it's, it's been there forever. Um, However, the the, the cloud has some different models. Um, Basically, you can uh, can rent services, and this is where this term as a service comes from. You can rent infrastructure as a service where only the infrastructure, basically the backbone, the servers, the the storage space, most importantly, comes from. Uh, You can also rent the whole platform as a service, and there you also have your own operation system. Um, No, I'm sorry, uh, you don't have your own, you have the one provided. And basically, it's a whole environment, a runtime where you can run your own software, your own scripts, uh, uh, in pretty much uh, configured by the provider. And of course, uh, the, the 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 model that most of the people imagine when they talk about cloud is the software as a server, as a service. That's a that's a software sitting on some remote server that you access from anywhere. And this gives you the most flexibility. This gives you the opportunity to to basically completely outsource your your software to a company that is that is doing this as a, as their main service. The software as a service gives you basically the um, the advantage that you can focus on your own core business. You can produce your medicines and technically outsource all your software problems on a on a service provider. Uh, it could be it could be Amazon, it could be Microsoft, it could be any large one or a smaller one. 
um, and uh, let them take care of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So in pharma, when I think about it, uh, so what can basically you outsource? So usually, basically, it would be probably your uh, QMA system. So that would be the most uh, common thing to outsource and um, use a, a cloud service for it. What else can you uh, outsource, for example? So probably not uh, local uh, uh, quality control operational uh, systems. It wouldn't work, but uh, what else can you outsource? Um, if you have certain specific software uh, that is requiring a lot of computing power, you can use a platform as a system where you install it. And uh, it could be your own, it could be third-party software that you buy from another provider, but you install it, for example, on the Amazon cloud. I hope it's fine with name dropping of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that, it's okay. uh, Amazon is like a household name. Yeah, of course, everybody we cannot just skip it. Yeah, sure. So everybody knows uh, all those uh, systems. So of course, it's uh, there is no suggestions. Exactly. Everybody should. <laughs> Um, yeah, do the analysis for himself whether he should use this exactly. or, or that. But of course, uh, Amazon has a really powerful uh, has a really powerful servers, and uh, they are state of the art. And I think many uh, big companies uh, use um, the service uh, from Amazon. Yeah, if you want a lot of computing power, uh, that could be I don't know genomic sequencing. That could be. Uh, processing of uh, large data sets that could be also like simulations of molecules if you do some drug discovery uh, and there you can use the platform as a service where you say okay I want your power for backbone I want your platforms that are running smooth and then I'll just install my software exactly. so we're not talking about a blog website here <laughs> 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 right so then comes um the thought about the validation, the qualification, right? So usually when you have uh, the software sitting on your computer, everything is easy. When you outsource and uh, when you use a third-party tool, then comes the question of uh, how do you validate it? Can you uh, trust the supplier with your data, the data privacy and so on? So um, what are the considerations here? Um, when you're choosing a cloud provider, just make sure you choose one that has already done some pharmaceutical projects. Uh, then you can rest assured that you're not the first one using it, that uh, other clients before that used it in a compliant manner. And for example, when I say Amazon and Microsoft, they will provide you certain information in the form of white papers, in the form of video, or even sales pitches, sales presentations that they'll give you, where they'll explain you how they're managing with uh, conformity how their cloud can can uh, store in a conform manner electronic records, how their GMP or GXP compliant and so on. And this is a very, very valuable information from the supplier that you should leverage on uh, because uh, you have to describe in your own validation plans and validation reports. Uh, you have to have your operations manual, how to, how to manage the life cycle of the whole system. And there, this is where this information comes. And how much can you uh, really trust um, the paper and the documentation that you, the, uh, that you uh, get from the suppliers without having your local experts? So I had um, a great uh, talk with Daniel Mille. He's uh, also a um, CSV expert. And we talked a lot about uh, the validation and uh, uh, what uh, companies sh um, usually 
uh, fall short. And uh, many companies, they give, uh, they put a lot of trust on suppliers and they just um, um, take their documentation, run with it as as is, without uh, testing the software a bit more, without uh, really... uh, having a good URS in, in place, what should the, the software do, what should it do. So the, and then you have the danger of uh, uh, having a, a system that uh, is uh, not uh, compliant enough to your uh, purpose. So how, should, how do you go about it with such services? Can you get a demo? What should you ask? Uh, this is a common phenomenon, yeah. Most of the time the sales agency tells you, yeah, the system is validated, it is working, but yeah, I want my own system, uh, my own instance of this system to be validated, you know, which is a completely different thing. Okay. And um, basically, yeah, you have to have your own validation specialists. Um, validation of cloud services is not a problem. It has been done before. It, it is it works, so you just need to have a, a good um, validation expert on your side. Uh, you have to communicate very well with the with the representatives of the company that is selling you the services. As I said, leverage on the documentation, but not just copy as it is and sign it off as your own. Um, and you have to have very good contracts. You have to have your purchasing department on board and involve them in negotiations. Uh, I assume you're working as a, like, let's say the general case, if you want to work with Amazon as a solution, uh, then you're probably a large pharma company. And then you have certain leverage, certain bargaining power when you're negotiating with them. Don't just say, oh no, they're a multi-billion company, we cannot do anything, we cannot tell them anything. Um, You have your sales agents there and this guy has, he's interested in selling something and they will make sure that uh, that everything works smooth. But your purchasing de- department has to be on board. You cannot just say, hey, just purchase me some surf- service and um, I will, I'll deal with it. You have to work closely. Um, I would advise also to have a project manager that is very involved in the project, not only validation lead, because... Uh, this project manager has to communicate with a lot of different, uh, not only stakeholders, but also people working on the project. You have your implementation specialist, you have your validation specialist, you have your QA department, um, and coordinating might be a little bit uh, troublesome sometimes. Right. And you need, uh, of course, your own IT on board. So many forget uh, exactly. uh, the IT because you usually don't hear of them, but uh, they're a, a very important part of your uh, validation team because uh, they are the ones that uh, need to make sure that it integrates with all your other system, that it is uh, um, the third-party tools are integratable and can really work uh, well together. Well, in this case, we, we assume that your IT also wants to leverage on the cloud solutions, so probably they don't have maybe that much expertise in the cloud area. Most of the time, the, the implementation will come from an external provider also. The supplier cannot do everything alone anyway, so they will need yeah, to work definitely. on it together. So how do you validate it, the, the cloud service? You can use a very classical approach, uh, the, the GAM 5V model, of course, risk-based. Uh, what I would recommend is to make it a little bit more agile. 
uh, in the sense that uh, it's not so trivial to implement such a system and it might not you might not be able to implement it at once uh, you know, write the specifications and then test it at once and then assume that it's going to work. You might need to introduce it in several phases where you start with certain core features and then you add on top of that and then you add another module and um, some mixed agile approach and the V model would be the, probably the best solution. Uh, but technically you have your, you have your specifications then you build your system and then you test against these specifications. That will be the classical V model. Um, it's another question how big you make this V model, whether you have the whole specifications at once or you work in small chunks in an agile way. I would also recommend using um, some software for managing your requirements. Maybe Jira, that's probably the most common and that most people know. Um, of course, you need to have your QA department on board there because in Jira, it's not so easy always to, to sign off requirements, to make sure that QA solve them and uh, in a compliant manner. Um, maybe your electronic signatures are, maybe you have requirements on electronic signatures in your company that yeah. are not so So usually a good integration with, with your change management uh, system where exactly. you can uh, push uh, work packages or something uh, like that, uh, that you work simultaneously with uh, the project management tool. Exactly. HPLM is another option that you can use, uh, whereas it's not so good for managing requirements, but that's uh, the probably the state of the art for managing tests. Uh, Team Foundation Server is also another option. Um, but yeah, all, you also need a system where you have to, you have a way of managing your tests. They don't necessarily need to be automated, but uh, it's very advisable to have the output of the tests printed as a report from the system and not just printed on paper or filled in by hand. So to sum it up, your, your company has to have a certain level of IT maturity before approaching this cloud topic. So let's talk a bit uh, maybe about um, Agile. So uh, in uh, pharma in general, it's something that is not uh, used much, but you say, okay, you must have QA on board and some uh, the production must be on board. So can you uh, maybe give some overview about the mindset that they should bring with them when they work on Agile, how it's different uh, from uh, the day-to-day uh, -day work in pharma when you work uh, on Agile projects? Yeah, most of the time, complete, like pure Agile in the most modern, let's say, sense of the word, is difficult to implement in pharma. You cannot just have daily daily scrum meetings where you decide on new uh, URS, where you decide on new features that you want in your software. This is not going to work for obvious reasons. Um, but most large projects start as the classical V model where we have to make all the specifications at once. And then people realize this is not possible. And then they go for some hybrid solution between the two where they introduce several phases of the project, where they say, okay, phase one, phase two, phase three. And uh, then we have a few changes uh, and then we have our project ready. So technically you, you're gonna use um, the classical Vim model in smaller chunks, as I said. And um, Sometimes the, the pharma companies are a little bit hesitant because they say, you know, we still work on paper. 
it is difficult to introduce an electronic system for managing requirements just for this project. Uh, because they think this system has to be validated and so on. This is not always the case. We have this new philosophy of doing validation, the CSA, uh, Computerized Software Assurance, that is being right now proposed by FDA. We're still waiting for the draft of the guideline. Um, basically, one of the postulates of this is that you don't need to validate your supporting systems. Uh, so I, I assume Jira uh, or Team Foundation Server or um, or HP QC or ALM will fall under this assumption, and basically it would be relatively easy to introduce Jira as a requirements management solution in your company in the near future. And uh, once you have this, you can, you can leverage on this flexibility that the, the tool offers. Uh, of course, you have to change a little with your philosophy. Um, you have to change this mindset of, yeah, I'm writing one document and five people have to sign and approve it after very long discussion and consideration. You have to have a little bit more flexible approach than that. But I think it's slowly coming because the validation leads before uh, they expected that the software was um, was always introduced in one chunk and this is basically not the case anymore yeah. so how do you do it basically so you divide it into um, subtasks sub chapters and the, also the requirements and you say we need the software to do a b c d and then you approach a you test it, you approach B, you test it, then you see, okay, B doesn't work, let's change something only in B. Okay, you change it, you move then to C, it works, you move to D, again, something doesn't really work out, you change only something in the D, and the only, and then you sign off only the, the final parts in the end, probably because if you need to run to get five signature for every change, it will take you years to finish the project. Uh, so you need to do a, a good risk risk assessment beforehand. And then with this, you say, okay, we, here and here we have a, a, a room for changes. And then at the end, when you finish it, you see it work, then you come and say, okay, now this works, let's sign off. Something like that, yeah. Uh, you need to have your uh, very sound risk analysis, of course. Um, I assume you also have some way of uh, signing electronically your changes. I assume you're not doing this on paper. Um, and uh, I assume that most of the recent software is actually very modularly built. So you can introduce uh, certain modules at different times without you know, the, the, the software being badly affected by, by lacking modules. and um, you also have to have some project risk management where your project manage, manager says, okay, these are the, the risks and implications. If we don't get module A on time, we might not be able to use this future on time and they need to speak to the steering committee. What are the implications in terms of costs? What are the implications in terms of time? Um, we see right now, especially in the, in the, in the Corona time, there a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are trying to push very quickly some projects, which is, of course, very nice. 
And uh, yeah, working on a tight schedule has to be uh, driven by this project's risk management also. You have to know when you're lacking a feature, what is the implications for the whole project. Okay, I get it. So what do you need to prepare beforehand before you uh, get uh, into this stage of the validation? What uh, What's uh, special, unique to such uh, systems? What uh, do you need to get ready? The supplier qualification, whereas not, not the qualification per se, but software level agreements, uh, a service, I'm sorry, service level agreements uh, where you defined work packages with your cloud provider and where you defined how they're gonna manage change how are they gonna introduce changes to the platform or the software how are they gonna notify you how are they gonna notify you in case of bug fixes because sometimes during the validation you might have to change a bug before releasing and so on, uh, fix a bug before releasing and so on. So yeah, basically you have to have your supplier qualification and manage your suppliers very well. Then you have to have your specialists on board, um, finding a, a CSV expert, finding a, a project manager, finding an implementation specialist. You have to make sure they're all there. Uh, they, they're, it is probably advisable to have them locally. Uh, maybe remote work for some parts will work very well, but for some parts it might not. And uh, yeah, basically that's it. Okay. Have everyone on board and, and make clear what the tasks are. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. Perfect. So how do you choose uh, uh, the supplier? Um, so you have a lot of uh, options. How do you choose the right one for your company? Basically, with the first of all, I, I assume you have to speak to the software vendor. They might have someone in mind. They might have done projects like this. It's for the pharma area before, and they might know which... Uh, which cloud provider is the best for their software solution. So they might say, hey, our software would really work well with Amazon at this time or, or Microsoft or, or whatever. Or if you're, if you're buying a software as a service, uh, then you don't have that much choice. You have to, you have to choose the, the software with their own cloud solution. There you just uh, choose a software that fits your purpose best when, the, when only the when you're buying a software and then a flat platform as a service, uh, then of course you have certain flexibility. But in the end, uh, I would suggest you choose one of the bigger names because they might have the most experience with uh, with GMP compliance and uh, they can deliver you the most information and the most documents about this GMP compliance. The problem there, of course, is with change management. Uh, they, they, they might, do whatever they want without notifying you. And uh, you need to make sure you have certain uh, bargaining power where you can tell them, hey, don't introduce changes yet. We need a little bit more time. Well, with Amazon, this is close to impossible, but but at least you have to make sure that they are notifying you these changes. You know? So it's especially when we're talking about uh, service um, 
as a software, right? So uh, they do occasionally updates, they upgrade the systems, new versions co come out. So you need to make sure that you're notified in advance about any uh, update to the system so you can uh, uh, check if it uh, influences your data, your uh, compliance and so on. So you re really, you probably need it. Uh, so probably many uh, such companies already provide it in advance, but uh, you pr probably should have it in your, in your agreement, in your uh, quality agreement. Uh, that they inform you about any change in advance and the, what are imp the implications of such, such changes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, it's not that different than if you work in a, in a large pharmaceutical company, sometimes it happens that IT wants to push, in, to push an upgrade uh, or update of the system without notifying you. This is not very common. But uh, I've been in a situation where in the last moment I realized somebody wants to update something without letting me know. Right. And um, Right. But, yeah. but it's uh, already internal uh, problems. And I think this is why uh, it's important to involve everybody, every department, to involve them in a GMP. So if you think um, a bit back, so when we uh, got pushed uh, Windows 7 or Windows 10, and there are so many old software that just don't support it. Right. Yes. And in pharma, yes. there are uh, software, I know that uh, um, there are sometimes old computers with Windows 98 that stand in the corner and you still, um, yeah. there is uh, some specific uh, functions uh, with old production systems that uh, still work only on this computer. And uh, I've seen it um, many times. And uh, I think that's one of the issues that you really, uh, that's why you also need to upgrade because you need to understand that, okay, you are maybe happy with you, your software working with the Windows 98, but uh, Microsoft doesn't care and they are going to push uh, yeah. their new product really soon and uh, you will lose the support uh, for this uh, software uh, also every several years. So you need to progress. Yeah, it's advisable that you as a validation specialist also treat your internal IT department as, a, as an external service provider. And... Uh, in certain cases, you might even need to have some written um, service level agreements. You might also need to qualify them if you're, in certain cases, if they belong to a different company inside the whole um, company holding. Um, but at least have them work work close with them, have them on board and talk to them very closely. That applies to pretty much every project. It's not only particular for the cloud. Um, make sure your, your IT is uh, on board with GMP and they have this quality in GMP mi mindset. Right, right. So that's uh, really important. And uh, one thing that comes to my mind, actually, so this is a real uh, benefit of uh, software as a service uh, because it doesn't uh, care what operational system you have. So uh, it doesn't care if you have uh, like Windows 7, Windows 8 exactly. and so on. So it uh, sits on the cloud. It will always uh, be compatible because they are mostly work for your browser um, applications. So it usually works out fine and it doesn't matter what system you have, right? Depends on maybe on your computing uh, power, but also not uh, not that much because all the computing uh, happens on the cloud. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the main benefit of the cloud, this flexibility. There are, of course, drawbacks. I wanted to talk yeah, about sure. this point also. 
Um, one of them is the where the data is residing. Uh, in the European Union, you have to know where your data is, what happens to your data and how it is stored. And of course, when we introduced the GDPR in Europe, uh, the, the cloud providers, of course, they were they they knew about it and they they wrote their they wrote white papers. They they gave information, and that's fine. Uh, but still, you need to make sure that, for example, your your data is stored inside the. Let me think how it was the European Union, I think, or maybe it's even you have to be maybe it's best to store it locally in Germany if you work in Germany, as in my case. Uh, so yeah, you have to know the location of your data and uh, you have to be in control of your data, which is not that trivial. When the data is stored on your own server that is in your back office or something, it's a completely different story. You know what happens to the data. And uh, whereas in the cloud, you have to make sure that this is written somewhere, documented. Um, otherwise you might run into trouble. I think it's also a consideration, right? So it's yeah. also, I think uh, maybe people um, are more comfortable to having all the data stored in their uh, back office in their own servers. Um, but um, I think the uh, new clouding solution, they're much more uh, secure because the new uh, service, it's, uh, it's basically distributed in a, a, a so the idea of the cloud is uh, distributed data, so you don't have your information on one specific box uh, somewhere. You have it uh, distributed in several um, servers and locations simultaneously, so it uh, basically one place burns, uh, the other ones are still uh, fine, right? So this is the, the biggest advantage here. Uh, yeah, that's that's a very good advantage, a very good point. Um, there is certain storage redundancy, so you know that your storage is always working. It's always there. Um, there, there. There's certain uptime that you have to negotiate with your provider. Uh, sometimes that's that's an important point. Sometimes they say, okay, 99.7, for example, and which basically it's a, it's a couple of hours per year. And for certain services, for a lot of services, this is acceptable, of course. But imagine that you're your emails are not working for eight hours in an year and these eight hours fall on one shift of eight hour that's basically one day out of 200 working days where your email is not working and just an example uh, most of the pharmaceutical systems are probably not that time sensitive but of course if your system is dealing with the releasing of charges uh, of, of batches, sorry, uh, then, then it's a different story if you cannot release a batch for eight hours. Yeah. That might uh, yeah. not be so pleasant. Um, yeah, so basically uh, you also have the, the security concepts in place, uh, especially the large cloud providers. You, you can rest assured and sleep well and you know that there's not going to be a large fire destroying your data, for example. I'm not saying that this is a very typical scenario in the in the pharma companies, but uh, yeah, you have to make sure that you have your um, locations normally in the usual case, that you have your location security, that you have your um, physical security of the server rooms, that you have your smoke detectors and so on. And uh, 
this is not your core business, you can as well outsource it to a cloud provider. Right, especially that uh, com in comparison, it's uh, so affordable right now. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. So I think uh, it um, costs less uh, to to outsource uh, this uh, um, this part of your operation because think about the, the security and the uh, and the upgrades that you need to do and the maintenance and so on and so on and so on and uh, basically nowadays it's so quick and uh, much more even reliable because you are so as a farmer you're not an expert in uh, in the in computing in cloud computing so you can uh, give it yeah. to the experts uh, to deal with it right uh, you just need to choose uh, the right uh, ones uh, to host your data or uh, to host your uh, software. Uh, so again, um, uh, maybe to summarize, uh, if you can give a few tips to consider when you qualify such uh, service providers, uh, uh, for example, in comparison to other uh, uh, vendors that you need to qualify, do you have something really specific that comes to your mind and you say, okay, if I wouldn't work in this environment, I wouldn't think about it, or I uh, I notice that other people who I, whom I work with, they don't think about it because it's not that trivial, but you really must do it in, in this case. Uh, I think in this case, that would be the contracts. Uh, con you have to negotiate contractually pretty much uh, everything. Um, just on the top of my mind, that's the, the uptime. Of course, if you want more uptime, you have to pay more for something like premium service. And uh, the, the service desk, uh, the, the, the support levels you have to negotiate because your IT cannot drive to Amazon and fix their wiring. Okay, that's an extreme <laughs> scenario again. Um, but make sure you have these things on paper before it's too late. Um, make sure uh, they know what their work package is, uh, what, what documents, what deliverables they have to give you, what service they have to do instead of you. Because, for example, let's say I mentioned changes several times. Um, negotiate contractually how you manage changes. Business continuity, negotiate this contractually. Uh, this is not in your power. You cannot decide it uh, after you implement the system. You cannot wait for a few months to see how it's running and then decide how to work on that. No, you have to know this in advance. Um, as I said, bring your purchasing department on board. Know how much your budget is because uh, cloud computing can also be costly. Uptime can be costly. And uh, you have to know don't just run for the highest, premiest level of the service, but make sure that um, make some risk analysis and assume and say, okay, maybe eight hours per year of downtime is not so bad for our batch releasing. Who cares? Um, uh, what else? Uh, make sure you you have a single point of contact uh, when when it comes to the to the cloud provider. Uh, that you have uh, named contacts there that you can you can reach uh, mm -hmm. that you can lead the negotiations also with during the supplier qualification and the supplier management. Let's not just uh, uh, limit to the qualification part. And uh, yeah, that's that's the biggest risk basically of uh, of a cloud solution is your a cloud service provider. Right. And uh, it's not it's not anymore the testing of the system. We assume that right. the system will work. It is the you have to focus on the life cycle of the system mostly. Right, right. 
So when I think about uh, the cloud providers, uh, it also depends uh, what they provide, which uh, systems, but I would think, uh, consider them as a really critical vendor because they hold all your data. Uh, if, um, as we talked about downtime, if they're not reliable, you you can uh, lose your uh, system for uh, a long time, you can lose money, you can uh, uh, lose uh, batches, uh, you, you lose time, you cannot release the batches and so on and so on. Probably if you use uh, some uh, some computing power for uh, production purposes, suddenly you can pr- cannot produce because this or this system uh, doesn't work. Um, so I would think, okay, you really need to qualify them correctly and also you need you must have an audit, right? Uh, uh, it depends. No, I, I would... I would follow your supply qualification procedure and see what its risk assessment says because you can you can have a software on the cloud that is uh, managing your batches but you can also have a software that is probably managing your I don't know schedules for maintenance yeah, yeah. Okay. which mm-hmm. is not so critical yeah. you know So they're... let's talk about the criticals Right, so uh, yeah, for the critical yeah. ones uh, uh, that yeah. really can impact the quality and your um, and your product uh, um, life cycle and the production, yeah. right? So uh, if you need to do an audit there, what can you check and what can you expect them to provide you? Uh, first, I would start. I would, I would do it very extensively if it's a critical system. I would start with the with the self assessment or or letter audit um, have them send me as much information as possible and see what their weak points are let's say maybe their maybe their audit trails are not so well defined maybe their change management is not so well defined and make sure that uh, in a in a possible audit uh, you you carry these points over in the audit and and make sure that you uh, look into them further. Now, I'm not so sure how good you can audit one of the large cloud suppliers, but I assume you can still audit them. I know, for example, you can audit SAP. Uh, it's, you, have, you don't have to be scared of how large they are. Most of the time, you're also working for a large pharma company. Uh, so um, yeah, this leverage is on your side. Don't don't be scared right. to ask them. Right. But I think also if you're a small pharma company or medical device, I think you should also uh, you know insist because in the end it's your process, it's your yeah. product. So if one if you go to Amazon and or some other provider says no, I'm sorry, we don't have time for you. So you can maybe look for another uh, partner exactly. who is uh, much more eager to have you as. Um, is an account <laughs> because exactly a yeah. refusal to 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 carry out an audit is also a result of the audit you know right. you can say okay this this is not the right partner for this right, right. endeavor if they don't take uh, me seriously i uh, i also uh, think about the service so if they mm-hmm. are not um, serious in getting me on board so it probably would uh, mirror the same on uh, right uh, on, exactly. on the service and the, and the function Right. Exactly. And I have no control on these guys and uh, it would be dangerous and risky to work with them. Right. So also during the um, the audit and the qualification, so I consider audit for the critical systems as part of the qualification. So what documentation can you require? What can you uh, look at? 
um, what would be important? Um, written procedures, I would say, uh, for for a lot of the topics from the life cycle of the system, that would be like audit trail, uh, data management, data governance, uh, change control. They should have written procedures that are available. If they don't want to send them to you in paper or digital, you might go there to the audit and read them there or whatever. But they should have written procedures for these things. And of course, uh, of course, uh, certificates, um, I would say ISO 27001 uh, for the IT security, um, 9001 maybe. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so sure they have this, uh, but twenty-seven thousand one for the be... data security, right? And the, for um, for IT security, right? Does it uh, also include change management, change control uh, procedures like ISO uh, nine thousand and one, or um, or not? Oh, it dep depends how they manage change. If if they are ISO certified, yes. If they have this, um, otherwise they. But the, no matter if they're certified or no. Mm -hmm. They should have some written yeah. procedures. So I think for it these uh, would. Uh, so I think when you are uh, giving away your as a pharma, as a GMP, when you give away part of your process to another company, it means that they have to comply with the same regulation as if it was in your site, right? So if uh, this uh, is part yes. of the GMP system, it means that the provider must follow the same procedures, right? So you Good cannot uh, you yeah. cannot say, ah, okay, we outsource it, they are not even ISO, we have no idea what they're doing there, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So we cannot say it because... Uh, uh, if the regulators come and say, "Okay, you use this system to release batches," how uh, how can you make sure that uh, everything is uh, working well? Uh, uh, show me the changes that they did, and if they don't write it down. So, as a software company, of course, uh, the version it's, it is documented. But the question is, how well is it documented? And uh, that also, yeah, right? how yeah, well can... is it documented? And uh, uh, how much access uh, the company's employees have to the system, right? So as a pharma mm -hmm. company, you need to make sure that only specific people from your employees have access. But if on the other side, everybody has access to your data, they can manipulate it uh, on their side. Somebody, um, I don't know, just uh, for the fun of it, can uh, play with the data or just um, uh, will be curious and uh, by mistake changes something. So you need really to make sure that... Uh, um, your GMP requirements extend to the vendor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good point. Also, uh, certain cloud providers will have some tools that you can use. Uh, for example, I know for Amazon, they have this uh, audit trail of the configuration where you can check at any time what the configuration is and what changes were made. And this is recorded, not only of the trail of the data, but also of the configuration of the cloud. Especially if you, if you use some elastic loading and the, if the processing power, the computing power is changing with time, you can you can require an audit trail. What was the processing power when you did your calculations? This is a very, very particular case and, and it's not, probably you're not gonna need this, but uh, there are certain tools. What I wanna say is there are certain tools that you can use and make sure they show you this make sure you consider them not only in your validation but also in your supplier management and see 
right, uh, right. for yourself right. decide for yourself so you need to think what you would have needed if you if it uh, if the system was uh, on your uh, Uh, platform it was in your site and it should be uh, the same that way so you need to uh, take this in consideration and ask for the documentation and ask to see the demos and uh, and see if it really works if you can access it what uh, um, if you can give admin rights to certain people in your organization to access the data or not how it works and i think it's a, a really uh, critical here right see what trainings do they have also We know that exactly. the large cloud providers have certifications and trainings. You can you can get an implementation uh, specialist that is being that has been trained before. But with smaller providers, uh, I'm not so sure how willing they would be to teach your implementation specialist how to work with the clouds and so on. And um, this is also an important point: how transparent they are in terms of training. How willing mm-hmm. they are to train, right, right. So I think it's really important that they should have at least seminars for key personnel, for key users in your side that use it uh, to train them regularly uh, with mm-hmm. updates and maybe videos and webinars and so on and so on. Because if they change something the system, you need to follow up with it. So this is uh, also really important. If somebody does an update to your system, so the mm-hmm. uh, vendor updates something. Uh, in, do you need to test it and um, revalidate something? That's a very good point that I also wanted to mention. Um, uh, you have to have a certain risk assessment on each change. Um, even when when they, let's say Amazon says we're going to change this and that functionality or module, you have to have immediately a risk assessment. What are the implications for my functionality and before being introduced? Uh, it might be something super critical that basically needs to stop everything and consider consider Amazon as a provider. That's an extreme case. Uh, But yeah, you have to at least decide which uh, test cases you want to run again to have some regression testing to make sure that your system works uh, as it was working yesterday. And that's why I was recommending uh, HP Quality Center or ALM for managing your testing. Uh, where at least you have you can um, get uh, automated report out of the testing, even if you test manually. So what is this? Is it a system that um, is connected? Uh, is a software that is connected to systems and uh, runs some uh, tests with reports? Uh, what is it actually? I think it has this functionality, but HPLM most of the time I've seen uh, people are doing manual tests as they would do them but document them there and it's very handy for documenting um, test steps uh, for managing results of test steps and uh, reporting of these tests oh, okay so it connects with the system and then it's like does uh, some recording of your steps and, uh, and so on uh, it depends how you automate it i think it has this functionality as i said most of the time i've seen it manual When you have something like, I don't know, 150 test cases with uh, 20 steps each, it is, uh, it is valuable to, to be able to, to search for steps, uh, to, to see, to tag them maybe, to assign them to different people if you have more than one tester. Um, of course, you have, you have automated systems uh, 
that would be I'm not specialist for for software quality assurance, uh, but uh, I think that's Jenkins for automated regression testing and so on. Um, if you can find a specialist that can do this for you, this automated testing, yes, sure, why not? But then this uh, reduces your your manual testing down to zero. In the long run, it will be economical also maybe because I have seen testers, most of a good tester, even when they're doing manual tests they will, and writing test scripts, they will basically require the same hour rate as, as a validation lead. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this uh, software. So who uses uh, these tools? Usually the uh, IT people or the QA um, validation experts? Uh, both uh, the, the IT people or the or the tester will set their test cases, and then QA will approve them. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, these steps or or these test cases, maybe not the steps in particular, but the the test cases elements that you want to test are suitable from my point of view. Then they will release these tests, and uh, then they will also release the results of the tests. Then you can manage your deviations inside this system. Then you can say step this and that was a fail. And then the QA can have a look and then decide whether to release the system for use based on these deviations. Don't underestimate how much time this can save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, everything that you can automate or uh, test uh, with the software is uh, really a yeah. good solution. And we also come right. we also come to when when you have like 150 test cases with screenshots, that's several folders of paper and people underestimate how much this costs to storage in an, in a proper archive, how much it costs to move this folder and mm -hmm. um how much it costs to print out this folder. <laughs> Don't underestimate this. <laughs> right. And yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm a fan of electronic uh, systems for managing requirements, for managing test cases for, for validation lifecycle. If you want to um, validate such systems, do you need uh, special training, special skills that are a bit different from uh, uh, the regular training that you do for GAM5 or uh, um, for other system validations? What else do you need to you mean You mean cloud systems, right? Cloud system, yeah. If you need to validate um, um, cloud systems. Try to see, to, to find a validation lead who is, uh, if, you, if you're a company, client looking for a service, uh, look for a validation specialist who has done similar projects in the past. Um, yeah, check their track record, ask them how do they perform this uh, cloud validation and uh, look for certain certification. Uh, it does not need to be a certification as a cloud developer or administrator, but there are certain, uh, let's say, lower level certification. Make sure they they know what cloud is, make sure they know the, the language and the, the slang that is involved in this because they have to communicate with your um, implementation IT guys. Make sure they're available, that they're reliable people because uh, these projects uh, might take time. They, they span over a year maybe. Um, contrary to what people think, this isn't, it's not gonna get faster than a normal implementation of a software. Right. Um, and if you're a service provider, if you're a validation specialist that want to go into the cloud field, 
start with some online uh, uh, training. Uh, you can use Udemy. They have uh, a lot of uh, uh, trainings that you can buy there for as much as, I don't know, like 20, 30 euro for a full several hours of training course. Um, but of course, I mean, if you want to really develop yourself in the area of Amazon Cloud or Microsoft Azure, then just go for their certifications. You have the online course provided by them. You have also other online courses and the online certification doesn't cost that much. The problem is, of course, that it is difficult. So, Borislav, do you uh, recommend these solutions generally? Should uh... Uh, pharma companies uh, uh, who work in the, or other companies who work in the GXP arena move to cloud solution. What is your uh, absolutely uh, absolutely? I think that is the future. I think it boosts your performance. Um, and I am talking on a very very low level. The IT performance is gonna get a boost if you use cloud solutions. Increases your security. Increases your data integrity increases um, it, it decreases the effort for the data governance um, it is cost effective it is much cheaper than running your own servers and securing them and uh, it reduces the load on your IT department um, it makes your company let's say uh, prepared for the future because I think that I think that is that will be the, the future also of pharma software. Uh, you know, other areas already switched to to cloud solutions mostly, and I think that's the where pharma is headed. Uh, it will increase your, as I said before, the maturity of your company. Um, uh, you might start with some non-critical cloud uh, solution, and uh, then move uh, also your critical so solutions to the cloud, and. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, basically that is uh, to also increase the, the awareness of your own QA. It will make your company future-proof in a way. That is, uh, that is my message to the pharmaceutical industry. So, Borislav, thank you very much for sharing all this amazing information. It's really cool and it's really interesting. And I hope we uh, get to maybe talk about some other uh, topics there or issues in this arena. And if people want to ask you something uh, about uh, uh, this area, if they have questions, they want to reach out, how, what is the best way for them to do it? Um, LinkedIn, I'm very active there. Uh, you can connect, reach out to me. Um, I'm basically out of the field. I'm not doing any contracting right now. I have a permanent position, but um, I still have some network in the area. If you want a recommendation for a, for a consultant or if you just want to talk about cloud validation or any other topic, anything quality related or or digitalization in pharma fields, feel free to connect. Right, Borislav Milev, and I'll leave a link to it, and I'll tag you when I post this podcast, of course, so people can sure, sure. reach out and connect with you. So, uh, Borislav, thank you very much for this amazing talk. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It was a, a very nice experience for, for me. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more nice videos from 
uh, from you. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Qualitox podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please consider subscribing and sharing it with your uh, colleagues.